I was a huge fan of pro wrestling as a kid. I was thoroughly invested in the characters, their storylines, and I used to watch pay-per-views with my mom whenever a matchup that I really cared about would be set up for the event. One of my all-time favorite entertainers was a wrestler named Sting, who made his debut in the WCW in the late 80s, early 90s, then eventually wrestled for TNA and now AEW. He had this really dark, brooding character who wore a trench coat and had this white face paint with black accents, and I always thought it was so badass. You know, I looked him up one day online, and I realized that the Sting character was based on a movie that came out in 1994 called The Crow. So, I rented the DVD from Rogers Video or Jumbo Video, one or the other, and it quickly became one of my favorite movies of all time. The movie's about a musician named Eric Draven who is murdered on Devil's Night with his fiance, and he uh, comes back from the dead to avenge him and his fiance. It's like, what, what's, what's not to love? Um, I didn't know it at the time, but this 1994 cult classic film about revenge and love based on a 1989 comic book series of the same name, held one of the most tragic stories surrounding its production, which led to the unfortunate and untimely death of its lead actor, Brandon Lee. This isn't the first time we've discussed an on-set tragedy, uh, very similarly to the Twilight Zone movie episode from a couple weeks ago. But today, on the Media Well, we are discussing The Crow, and the events surrounding its creation. The Crow from 1994 is set on Devil's Night, so I didn't know this being Canadian, but between the 60s and the 90s, there was an increase of vandalism and arson on October 30th of every year, so it was called Devil's Night. Uh, as an example, though, in 1984, there was over 800 fires set in one night in Detroit inner city neighborhoods, which, so this finally concluded in over 50,000 community volunteers gathering to patrol neighborhoods in the city between the 29th and the 31st of each year. And this was called the Angels Night program. And actually because of this, by 2010, the idea of Devil's Night and all the vandalism and arson that had to do with it all but ceased to exist. So, Eric Draven and his wife Shelley are murdered on Devil's Night in a brutal and malicious fashion by four men where she is beaten, sexually assaulted, and left clinging to life, eventually dying in a hospital, and Eric is shot and thrown out a window, falling to his death. That's where the movie begins. Eric would come back to life due to a crow tapping on his gravestone. The crow, like the bird, has significance in this story to where crows are set to carry souls to the land of the dead. But if something specifically bad happens, the soul can't rest, and until the wrong is made right, um, I guess they have the ability to come back to life. Eric rises from the dead, kills each of the men one by one, and, um, you know, tracks everybody down. That's the entire movie, really, and you know, he makes friends with Ernie Hudson, which is pretty awesome. Um, 
you know, er Ernie Hudson plays a cop in the movie. He does a fantastic job. Eric finally reunites with his wife at her grave once all the men are dead, finds her engagement ring, and the movie ends with a monologue stating that while people die, love lasts forever. Unreal. The movie is very dark and gothic in nature. Incredible soundtrack. Brandon Lee does a great job playing this character. There isn't an overabundance of blood and violence considering what the movie's about. In my opinion, it's really like a perfect movie of this kind. So that's a quick synopsis of what the movie's about and uh, kind of the setting of our story today. In 1993, there was one week left of filming and the cast and crew were relieved to be done because the set of The Crow was plagued with issues from the beginning. According to Inside Edition, people who worked on The Crow were already calling the set haunted because a carpenter was electrocuted by live wires, a truck caught fire, the nine-week filming in North Carolina was just plagued with hurricanes, the movie was constantly behind schedule, a pissed-off sculptor almost destroyed the set, and a stuntman almost died from a fall. So there was a lot leading up to the, quote, curse of the crow, as some of the cast and crew would refer to it as. March 31st of 1993, Brandon Lee was filming a scene where he would return with, with groceries and first witnessing the assault and beating of his fiancée in their apartment. He was set to be shot by Michael Massey's character, Funboy, with a forty-four Magnum Smith & Wesson. Apparently, the scene prior to this one, there was a dummy cartridge fit with bullets, but no powder or primer. For scenes that require bullets to be seen, but the gun to not actually get fired, dummies tend to look more realistic than blanks, from what I understand. I'm not an armorer. I, I have no idea. But because of the film being behind schedule, and instead of purchasing commercial dummy cartridges, the prop crew created their own dummies by pulling bullets from live rounds, dumping the powder charge, and reinserting the bullets. The scene following that was where Lee was supposed to get shot from a 12 to 15 foot range. It was just a perfect storm of shit, though. You know, the firearm specialists, like I just referred to them earlier as an armorer, they were sent home early, and an assistant, who had no idea what they were doing, was told to inspect the gun before it was fired. The barrel wasn't checked for obstructions, and one of the blanks, which contains a powder charge, was put into the same gun. But the dummy bullet that the prop crew had created was trapped in the barrel. So when the blank went off with the powder charge, the bullet that was lodged in the barrel became dislodged and shot out at the same force as if it was loaded with a live round. This hit Brandon Lee in the stomach, he was in critical condition, and he eventually died in hospital from the wound. When it came to continuing the movie or releasing it or not, Paramount Pictures backed out of involvement after Brandon Lee's death, deeming the violent nature of the movie inappropriate given what happened. But Miramax picked it up, completing the few scenes that needed Brandon Lee in them with use of computer graphics and stuntmen, and the movie was released May 13th of 1994 to mixed reviews. 
but became successful eventually over the years, being ranked as the 24th in all U.S. films of that year. Critics called it a fever dream of a movie. Some thought there wasn't much in the way of a plot, but thought it was beautiful and like beautifully shot. It left some viewers feeling melancholic or uncomfortable due to the death of Brandon Lee, and all of those are valid criticisms, I think. This would have been considered a breakthrough film for Lee. So, though many reboots and reimaginings of the movie have been made over the years, like The Crow, Salvation, and Wicked Prayer, and there's apparently one in production as we speak, nothing will compare to the 1994 movie, I don't think. At the time of Brandon Lee's death, it was considered by some to not be a special effect gone wrong, but a potential murder. This theory is based on the fact that Brandon Lee's father, Bruce Lee, died under mysterious circumstances back in 1973, filming a movie as well. Um, though this has been disputed for many, many years, and some even call the theory insensitive, um, ultimately no criminal charges were ever laid in relation to Brandon Lee's death. The death of Brandon Lee would be one name in a line of many others that were killed by firearms on set. John Eric Hexham died in 1984 as an example due to similar circumstances involving blank cartridges and more recently on the film set of Rust in 2021, though it's still under investigation. Helena Hutchins was killed by a live round on set. This all sort of brings into question the importance of gun safety training on film sets and armorers. It's popularly believed, though, nowadays, that there's just no excuse to have a gun with any type of projectile on a film set in the year 2022. Like, what we've learned about incidents like John Eric Hexham and Brandon Lee is that special effects are far enough along that there's, like, again, just no reason to have any real gun or projectile on set, never mind a live round. So, if the story wasn't already sad enough, Michael Massey, who played Fun Boy, who unfortunately shot Brandon Lee, you know, 12 years after the incident claimed that he never saw the movie, he was traumatized by the event, saying that he had nightmares about it, and that he would never get over it, and unfortunately, he did carry that guilt with him for the rest of his life and would pass away in 2016 due to stomach cancer. So, if we learned anything, from all of this, it's that armorers and firearms training is incredibly important when having guns on set. Anytime the thing is fired, it needs to be checked. It's a very similar conversation to what's being had around the Rust movie right now. Um, and getting into my, uh, my opinion bag for a second, I think that trying to conflate the death of Brandon Lee to his father Bruce Lee and calling it this like overarching conspiracy and that they were both killed instead of them being accidents, is just, like, kind of insensitive and fucking stupid, if you ask me. You know, grief does weird things to people, and trying to find a rhyme or a reason for stuff like that is normal, but trying to call this anything more than it is, which was just a freak accident, isn't helping anybody, and, you know, my opinion is that it's kind of gross, so don't do that. <laughs> anyway, Thank you very much for joining me on the Media Well today. Uh, I know this episode was kind of a bummer, but like, watch The Crow. Just, watch, just check out The Crow. 
it's a phenomenal movie, you know, not too long, it's just beautifully shot, and I think that if you're into sort of like action movies and, you know, comic book style stuff, like, you'll be into that. Uh, rate the podcast five stars if you think I've earned it, four, three, two, whatever, just rate it, just, just, uh, you know, interact with the pod a little bit, I want to hear from everybody and know what they think, and share me with your friends, you know, word of mouth helps podcasts a lot more than people assume, I think, and, uh, yeah, we're going to continue with the Halloween-themed content, you know? Uh, this movie took place on Devil's Night and Halloween, and we're going to continue with that theme. So, until next time, thank you very much, and have a good rest of your day. <laughs>